Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to Under the Noise. I am Kate Roberts, and I'm here with my co-host, Wynne Morgan. How are you, Wynne? I am well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. And today we have our very first returning guest, Steph. Hi, Steph. Hi, Kate. I can't believe I have the honor of being your first returning guest. I'm so excited. It's so exciting. I can't even remember actually what we talked about the first time you were on. Do you remember? I think there was something about story. Mm, that's right. That's right. And for those of you wondering what it was that made Steph be the first second time guest is what she paid us a lot of money. <laughs> Shh, we weren't supposed to tell anyone. When <laughs> I pay my way to the top, man. <laughs> And for those so, of you who do not get humor, that was a joke. So, Steph, um, even though you have been on the show before, I'm still going to ask, <laughs> what would you love for people to know about you? I was thinking about that question. I said, I wonder if Kate's going to come up with a new question for me, if she's <laughs> going to ask the standard one. I would like for you to know about me that I am just a glorious human mess these days all over the map. And sometimes this really bothers me. And sometimes I think it's absolutely beautiful and amazing. Mm-hmm. And I like when I see it as beautiful and amazing better. (laughs) But I'm kind of starting to see that maybe there isn't as big of a difference between the two as I thought. What a phrase, a glorious human mess. I really feel that when I feel the, the magnificence of it. The full on Give me all the flavors, all the shapes and sizes, roller coaster ride. (laughs) And when I see it like that, it's still really raw and real, but it doesn't have the heaviness of, I have to get this right. Every time I remember that, I don't have to get this right. There's always such a relief that comes over me. And whatever that this is, I don't have to get this right, is every single thing, my life. Don't have to get this right. There isn't a right. It's just living it. And when I remember that and the little micromanagement of the moments that I do to myself where I think I have to get something right, the relief of remembering I don't have to never ceases to amaze me. 
you know, I had a lot of thinking last night that was keeping me awake. And at one moment, I was kind of in between sleep and awake and still really restless. And I had the thought that was something like, what if I'm showing up with me and with this? This is the very first time. This is the only time. This is totally new. And I don't know. I don't know anything other than this like fresh and clean. And it felt really different for a split second <laughs> before the thinking came roaring back in. That's what I mean. It's such a glorious mess. It's like, oh, because I can, I can, I know the underneath and I know the roaring chaos. I was reminded recently of the difference between it, reminded from something I was reading, the difference between what I think and the fact that I think. So I can think things that are chaos. And it's also an amazing thing to then recognize at a different level of, of seeing the fact of my ability to think chaotic thoughts and to think anything without me having to attach any meaning or identity to what I'm thinking. Again, I don't think I'll ever get tired of remembering that and seeing that deeper. When, what do you think that would look like if that was your everyday experience of watching thought move through without attaching anything to it, in and out, in and out? Or I don't know. I don't know. It comes up. I don't know. I don't know which direction the thought moves into, but it appears and then it's gone. Without preference. I would normally say the same thing that Steph just said, that I would normally prefer to be in the, the quiet than in the chaos. And yet the chaos is equally as vibrant and as equally as human and equally as experiential as any other part of life. So I don't know having a, such a strong preference would be such a great idea, even if it was possible to be quiet all the time. I think it's fine to be attached because then I go on a memory trip about something in the past or I go into a future trip about something in the future or I imagine something that something different that could be happening now. And it's all in the same realm of being human in my mind. Now I forget that and I get caught up and I will get worried and I will think catastrophic thoughts about stuff in the future. And I will give myself a hard time for something that might've happened five minutes ago or five years ago. So what? It is it's, to me, it's in, in being able to see that and then enjoy the fact of being human and the fact of being alive and wondering at all of it, wonderment of all of it. Um, that's what comes to mind now anyway. You asked me the question, so I'm going to bat that right back at you. 
I wonder if the question actually came from, so I was reading a book, that same book basically by Michael Singer. He was talking about how like 99.999% of the universe is empty space and how the distance from the sun to the next star is like the speed of light around the earth so many times happening for four and a half years is the distance from one star to, and everything else is empty, like empty space. And then imagine if we existed in that, in space in that way, emptiness. But we don't, we get to come here and play. And we get to have every experience you could possibly imagine coming in. So if we didn't give it labels or attachments or preferences, it would seem like, like everything stuff is a party. Ooh, experience. Ooh, you know what I mean? It would be like, um, you know, like a kid allowing it all, letting it completely take over for however long it lasts. It's usually really short, but letting it all in, living experience, and it's all okay. It almost seems preferable than empty space. Mm. Whatever it is. Have you ever done that? Like looked for the the party in something that seems really awful? So like, what do I love about being so angry at this person? Or what's so amazing about feeling so depressed and sad that I just want to melt into a puddle of nothing? And because I have played with that and it, if I do it earnestly, like with a curiosity, with a willingness to really look into it, it's like I can feel the pulsing aliveness in this thing that I say I hate inside of this experience. I can, it's almost like I can feel the universe laughing and playing and rejoicing and and it's really alive and it changes the whole sensation of whatever it was I was experiencing. And I, I don't, I used to do this like a tactic. I don't anymore. And sometimes it occurs to me because, well, I don't know why it just occurs to me. And that's when I feel like I have a little bit of a sense of that just for a minute of what it might be like to just have all the experiences without preference, without restraint, without needing it to be different than it is because, oh my God. And what's so amazing about needing things to be different? What do I love so much about needing things to be different than how they are and struggling and suffering and fighting and like I can actually feel as I say that how that's somehow enjoyable (laughs) 
and immediately it actually is more enjoyable. Yeah, to me, it must be more enjoyable because the space of where that question would occur from, where that question would occur from, is a, is a place of perspective. Being able to see ourselves at some amount of distance, whether it's you know, an inch away or a light year away. It can't help but be a relief when we see the perspective on our on our plight, if it looks like a plight in that moment. Because then we can, you know, to me anyway, I can see myself as funny, given how ridiculous I am with my made-up preferences that then look like it's, you know, really big deal. It's a serious thing. When no, there's nothing there. And then I got to laugh at myself again about making something up in that space of nothing and then think that it's real and then take it personally of something I've totally manufactured in my own head. It's pretty clever to be able to do that. So we had an email. We had an email from somebody who said, hi, Wynn, how about a video about how to get under the noise? Oh, that's a good way to start an email, I thought. Not the high wind bit, the next bit. How about a video on how to get under the noise? When you're with a client, how do you direct them into the quiet place? Lots of people say, I can't stop my thoughts or my thoughts are always going 100 miles per hour. I watch lots of three principles videos, but no one ever talks about how to quiet down or get silent. And uh, when this person talks about three principles, it's the background too. And um, and the philosophy we find out, the philosophy behind everything we talk about on this podcast. So given the fact that I was the one who read out the email, I'm going to ask you two your responses to it first. You are our guest. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that question when, and... I'm feeling something. I feel like I feel my eyes welling up with tears. It's such a beautifully human question. How, how can I do it? How do I change this? How do I feel better? How do I fix this? And the truth is that there is no how to me, and there are an infinite numbers of hows. The thing that occurs to me that seems to help, but it can only occur when it occurs to me, is to relax, to be with what is, whatever that experience of noise is, to just really be with it. And I think that's it. It's not a doing, it's not a how, it's a being. It's going to our being, the space of being that we are. And I think we've kind of been talking about this already. Now there is this perspective. I'm not lost in what is, I'm being 
with what is. So there's a, a space that opens up in that. And in that space, it might occur to me to do something, to drop out of the noise. But I couldn't tell you what that would be until I was there. And I know that's really hard um, sometimes. It's hard for me when I'm in it. And I see it when I'm talking to someone else and they're asking me that question. Okay, so how? So give me the steps. Like, what are my steps? Come on, I need them. And when I'm answering that question, I wanna go to that space myself and use that to speak from so that it points them there and they can see for themselves. Because I think from the inside, they'll have an experience of what it is for them to drop out of the noise. And it will be different for them. Kate? Um, it brings up a couple of things. The first thought that I had was something that is an insight actually that I had maybe one or two days ago where I realized that to some extent I think that there's something that I could say or do or someone else could say or do or that I could think or not think that could somehow affect my okayness that could change somehow whether or not but basically that I could change my natural state, which is peace. Who we are is under the noise. And there's nothing I can do or anyone else that could somehow affect that. But it still looks really real to me when I don't feel peaceful that there's something for me to do or see. That it's even possible to affect it in any way, to protect it or feel it. And that's really um, new. And that just happened. So I don't, you know, that's um, just the first thing that, that showed up about how to experience ourselves under noise. And the second thing is that I don't have any idea what, what that will look like at any given time. Like sometimes it looks like laughing at myself. And sometimes it looks like gratitude. And sometimes it looks like watching Netflix. And sometimes it looks, I mean, there just is um, 
God, it could look like anything. But I know it when I'm in it, when I'm under the noise. And sometimes I'm way in the noise. But I'm, you know, I'm kind of taking it lightly. Like it just happened this morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm all over the place. So I'm just going to ride out this roller coaster. And that is somehow under the noise for me. I don't know if it has to look like Buddha under a tree, you know. <laughs> Although I like that too, you know, that's nice. Like how cool is it? That it could really look like anything. And, you know. I don't know if that helps our listener though. That's probably why people are like, what's, what, is, what does that even mean? <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Help me get under the noise. How do you do it? You know what, though, I would say to that listener of like, just, just listen. What do you feel? Listen for the feeling. What does it say to you? And there's something in that. I heard so resonantly. We are under the noise. We are that. <laughs> like the whole thing of even asking to get out of the noise and into like the question is ridiculous in itself. And yet we're going to ask it. I ask it. This is why it's a beautifully, perfectly, a gloriously human question. Mm. A few weeks ago, I was with somebody who has been diagnosed with what's called here in the UK, ADHD or ADD in, uh, in the US, I believe. And while I'm in no position to diagnose or undiagnose anyone of that, I know it's possible for anyone to have slower or faster. I know it's possible for people to, uh, to, to not catch on and latch on to every thought they ever have. I know that's possible. And pointing out to this person how many times they didn't follow that a thought. Hey, you didn't follow that one. You didn't follow that one. It's like, oh my Lord, I've got some agency in this. I, I don't follow every thought. That opened up a little bit of expansion in that person's mind. And now over time, it's less in the, um, there's less speed of thought because that person's noticed that they do not have to go on every tangent they've ever thought of. And the reason that I can feel qualified to say what I just said and to go there with this person is because I really know what that's like. I remember having that question, which is the last few words of this email, how to get quiet, how to get a silent mind. But what I didn't realize at that time Another way of saying what you both beautifully said is the how-to is going to be more thought. The answer to that is more thought. More thought cannot solve a thought problem. 
I can't slow down by doing more. I can't slow down the car by pressing the accelerator. Or as I once said it 10 years ago this month, I believe, I said it, I was drinking water. So sorry, I was drowning and drinking water, hoping that would save me. I was doing more of the thing I was drowning into. But here's what helped me. It helped me to understand exactly, again, what you both said, that by nature, the mind is quieter. By nature, naturally, left to its own devices, the mind quietens down, that we are under the noise. There's a part of us that is constantly under the noise. And when I'm no longer activating and thinking about the random thoughts in my head, all of a sudden it can be like the ticker tape on the bottom of a news channel on the TV. Well, I can be really quiet there. But I had to see that for myself. And I had to see for myself that, I, I, that while, yeah, I'm going to think lots of things, tens of thousands of things every day, most of them I'm not even aware of. I do not currently think them all day long, not one, not one. I don't think I've thought the same thought for more than a few minutes at a time. Impossible. It's impossible to do. So given how transient they are to me, how easily they change without me doing anything about it, if they change, I don't have to do the grabbing onto them and then going with them and then thinking more about them. I can understand more about me as a human, the same as every other human, that that's how thought works. That's how consciousness works. That's how the mind works in human beings and left to its own devices. It quietens down. And at the same time, when it isn't quiet, so what? So what? I'm busy right now. Is there another space to be? Yes. Can you do anything about it? To the point that Stephanie just said, lots and nothing. I learned, I remember giving a talk a long time ago now about consciousness, moods, and the nature of the human mind and its nature. And I had a mentor watch me at the time in this talk and said afterwards, you know what would be really helpful if you talked about what you see about the nature of mind? Because what you talked about was the effects. The effects of what happens when we're quiet, what happens when we're busy, as opposed to the nature of it itself. So I got quiet for a minute when I realized I had no idea what this person was talking about. And then I reflected and then within a few minutes I went, oh, I know what that means. Yeah, when I'm not digging around, it settles down. When I'm not trying to slow down, I slow down. When I'm not trying anything, I slow down. That coupled with a little bit of understanding of I don't have to take every thought seriously, personally, nor do anything about what I think because I've seen enough about the fact that they're arbitrary, the fact that they're universal, the fact that they're transient. And I make meaning up 
from my imagination, from not based on reality at all. 100% of the time, I am making the meaning up out of everything I think and do. I make it up. Well, really seeing the truth of that enabled me to no longer spend as much time speeding up. And then to what you said, noticing the, the feeling that, that Kate was really illustrating. Well, that's what I got in listening to you, Kate, the feeling of what was coming across. And it's that feeling, which is so spacious, curious, impersonal, universal, true. So the point here in the question, when you're with a client, how do you direct them into a quiet place? I certainly don't direct them because I'm pretty sure the only thing that would happen there would be I would get more busy in my mind and they'd get more busy in theirs. But I'd let the quietness occur. And that's no longer a hard job especially when I'm with a client, because the one person who doesn't matter when I'm with a client is me. So when I'm thinking about me, what I'm thinking and how I'm doing and what mood I'm in, how well I'm listening, how well I'm looking at the camera, none of that stuff has any relevance whatsoever. And I know enough when I'm with a client to have me not on my mind. And when I'm not on my mind, and I'm listening to somebody else, oh, it's so easy to be quiet. So easy to be quiet of mind. When I had insomnia for a year and a half in my mid-30s, I still got quiet enough at least once a day to slow down and got silent enough at least once a day to fall asleep, even if it was for five minutes, because sometimes that's all it would be. I'd be awake until 5.30 knowing the alarm was going to go off at 6, and at some point between, say, 5.30 and 6 o'clock, I was asleep because the alarm woke me. Even with insomnia, I was able to quieten down. So the reason I bring that up is we all do it without having to think of it. Falling asleep is an example of when we slow down in our minds. Silent enough to go to sleep. Now, catching ourselves doing that naturally without, I will now will myself to sleep. We know we don't do that. Okay, we might have nighttime rituals and they're fine. But the key thing is at one point, we do. We doze off. Yeah, we wake up and we doze off every day. So it's not an impossible task and it's something we do naturally. I think it's lovely to remember that. Thanks, Steph. Thank you. Thank you, Steph. And thanks, Kate, always. If there's anything else as our listener wrote in to us with a question that you'd like us to cover, please do. Our information's available uh, wherever you're getting this podcast from. And it's also um, with Kate's voice out that you'll see or hear at the end of this as well. So please do get in touch. And thanks for listening again this week to this episode of The Wind of the Noise. And we'll, I'm pretty sure, be with you again very soon.
Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.